Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> and um, thank you for uh, allowing me to share God's word with you. I, um, I ordered a coffee in uh, Pythagoria on the island of Samos in Greece, and I received it in this cup. And if uh, it's pretty hard to see the words on it, but it says, may you live in interesting times. And um, I think I had a really long conversation about this with Desi. May you live in interesting times. And we are living in interesting times. And it's very prophetic. Well, I, I felt that they were very prophetic because I consider that the challenges that we've, um, uh, that we've had come to us from all the current teaching in the parables has really made me think, you know, to run the Christian race in a direction which is totally against the tide of the world view, it, it's, it's dangerous, but it's interesting, isn't it? Oh, can we have the next slide? Yeah, no the, the parable is a, is a continuation of Jesus' conversation uh, who he was having with his disciples from the previous chapter, chapter 24. In Matthew 24, Jesus is preparing his disciples for what's going to come ahead uh, and the things that will happen towards the end of the age. He speaks about the short-term events and then Jesus speaks about the things that will take place beyond today when he will return in glory. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, because he said he will return. The Bible is filled with verses about the return of Jesus, and we need to be prepared. After giving these signs and discussing these signs to indicate when his return is near, he tells them this parable about the ten virgins, also known as the parable of the bridesmaids. Now, as Raph reminded us last week, the parables are a telling of a story, or, a, well, mine had a telling of an earthly story with a spiritual meaning, and that's pretty much spot on. Parables should cause us to examine ourselves, to examine our heart condition, to determine whether changes need to, need to be made in the way we live and make those changes. The parable is based on the Jewish marriage customs. It is a cautionary story about being prepared for Christ's coming. Jesus said he's coming back and it's our responsibility to be ready for his return. You see, also, Jesus also wants us to know that there is a difference between living wisely and living foolishly. Now, firstly, let's understand the Jewish wedding customs of Jesus' day. Several, com several commentaries make this note. One of the elements of the wedding was the arrival of the bridegroom. The bridegroom would keep his arrival a secret. The virgins, or the bridesmaids in today's language, waited in anticipation of the bridegroom. They would then escort him 
in a torch-lit procession to the bride's home and then make their way to the wedding banquet. The lamps may have been torches made of an oil-soaked linen wrapped on a stick, similar to the one on the screen. If you would like to bring that up. These would burn for about 10 minutes before they needed to be dipped again in oil. Or they may have been a clay-type lamp. Next picture, Damien, if you... Thanks for that. Um, And it's also similar to the picture that's in front of your In Touch this week, where the oil was added, if you can see, the oil was added in the centre hole of the uh, clay lamp, and on the nozzle bit there would be a... A piece of linen that would be lit and these would probably burn for around about an hour to an hour and a half before needing to be refilled with oil again. Most commentaries say that the ten virgins, uh, that the ten virgins in the parable represent Christians and they are waiting for the return of the groom which is Jesus Christ. We're going to take a closer look at the parable to help us find out if we're ready for Jesus' return. Jesus warns us that we can be foolish, unprepared and even ignore him totally. So the first foolish thing would be to look the part. We have ten bridesmaids. Each of them had a lamp each dressed in a garment of a bridemaid, bridesmaid, sorry, each claimed to have been invited. They were there, so you would assume that they all were invited. You really can't turn up to a wedding if you're not invited, can you? They looked and acted like the others. They came for the same purpose. None suspected any different or anything wrong with the other. Each of them attentive and waiting for the inexpectation of the arrival of the bridegroom. But there's a problem. Five bridesmaids haven't got enough oil in their lamps. In short, the five foolish bridesmaids have come unprepared. So initially, while we see the bridesmaid to be the same with no difference noticed, we discover that five of them are not really prepared for the return of the groom. This is a clear indication for us today. Some are prepared for the, for the Lord's return. Some are not. While Dizzy and I were away overseas, if we're, if we're around on a Sunday, we normally look for a church to go to or a church service. And the churches we entered identified themselves as Christian churches. Most of the people who attended would have no doubt claimed to be a follower of Christ. And when you observed them on the outside, they all more or less looked and acted the same. They all greeted one another with a smile and a handshake, just like we did this morning. We all sang the songs that the musicians played, both songs and hymns. We prayed together, like we did this morning. 
And in fact, in one service, we even recited the Apostles' Creed. Now, as a congregation of people who attend church, which includes us here at Montmorency Community Church, do we have Christ in our hearts? Are we really who we claim to be? Are we true followers of Jesus? And do we really know him? Or are we just going through the motions? You see, if our religion is superficial or our heart is not filled with Christ, then we are not true and we are not prepared. There is a true and invisible church, a church composed of those who have Christ in their heart. And then there's the visible church, made up of those who claim to be Christians. Some are and some are not. And by the true and invisible church, I mean all those of every branch and denomination of people who are truly one with Christ and have him in their heart. And this includes those who are not yet, who have not yet heard the gospel, but the Holy Spirit has begun a work in them. You see, the foolish bridesmaids described in the parable had no oil. Lamps are useless with no oil. In a similar way, if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to grow to grow us and sustain us, we too will fail to achieve our expected and intended purpose. You see, it's what's inside the lamp that counts. Here are two questions for us. Are we more concerned about our physical appearance or do we care about what's inside our heart? Are we filled with the Holy Spirit or are we still stuck in our sinful nature? Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 says this, You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, what Paul is saying is if the Spirit of God does not dwell in you, then you don't really know God. The good news is that when God saved you, the Holy Spirit came and took up residence in your heart. You see, without the Holy Spirit, as the oil in the lamp, you're just an empty clay lamp. And then the next step after receiving the Holy Spirit at salvation, it is, is to constantly be filled with the Spirit. Consider this from Paul in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Your heart is your inner being. And then he reminds us further down, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Chapter 5. And that Greek present tense used here indicates that the filling of the Spirit is not a once and for all experience, but rather 
It needs to be fed for our hearts to be strengthened. Just like the fuel in your car. It drains out. You've got to top it up again, don't you? To go anywhere. If you've got a battery car, then it needs to be charged. In the same way, we need to spend time in God's word, time in prayer, time in worship, and time in fellowship so that God can renew, refill, and strengthen our hearts to give us the all we need to shine brightly in this dark world. The second foolish thing, don't you, is to assume that you have the right contacts. Now, you might think, that um, <clears throat> you're all right. You come to church, you hang around with other Christians, you're involved in Christian activities. Or you may think that family heritage will put you in good stead. You say to yourself, oh, I should be right, I was brought up in a Christian home. You've got contacts, you know people. Now, because the bridegroom was a long time in coming, the bridesmaids fell asleep. Nothing wrong with that. They would have felt tired because it's a long night. But when the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him in verse 6, the lamps needed to be lit. The five wise bridesmaids were able to trim their lamps and light theirs. But the five foolish bridesmaids had no oil. So they asked the wise bridesmaids if they could use some of theirs. You see how foolish they were thinking? They thought it would be all right. All is fine. But it's not. If you've been brought up in a Christian home and you move around in Christian circles, that's all good and there's nothing wrong with that. But be careful that it doesn't breed complacency. It didn't work for the foolish bridesmaids. To be wise, we each as individuals must make, must take personal responsibility for all our actions and words. So we've seen how we can be foolish looking the part and assuming that we have the right context. The third would be to presume that it'll be all right on the day. When we go back to the parable, we see that the foolish bridesmaids were undeterred. After getting no oil from the wise bridesmaids, they head off. It's okay. We'll go down and buy some oil. However, while the bride grew, uh, sorry, while they were away, the bridegroom arrives. And the wise brides, bridesmaids enter the, enter with him to the wedding banquet. And the door is shut. Terrible feeling when the door shuts. Desi and I were uh, waiting for a train to uh, Florence from Bologna 
and we noticed a well-dressed woman pacing up and down the platform. When her train to Rome arrived at the station, she continued to go up and down. Now, I'll, I'll sort of explain a little bit about that. You see, when you catch a train in Europe, you not it's on, not only the destination, but you've got to make sure that the train number is the right number train you get on. Then you've got to get onto the right carriage number to get to your allocated seat number. So it's a little bit complicated, but nevertheless... Now, I would say that this woman was going up and down the platform looking for the carriage number, and the reason for that is because, unfortunately, sometimes the carriage numbers aren't written on the outside of the carriage. You've actually got to poke your head in the doorway just before the seating area is and, and there's, a, there's a number that's lit up and it gives you the carriage number. And the other one to make it more confusing for all the Aussies that go there is that the train carriages are never in order. You'll have carriage number 22 at the front, then you'll have carriage number 6 in the middle and then you'll have carriage number 18 at the back. <laughs> so I don't know how they work it but that's the way it is over there. And uh, let me tell you then, when Desi and I discovered that that was the secret that they do, we just jumped on the train. Just jump on and then work out what carriage you've got to go to. And I'd say that this woman was doing that. She went up and down so much, she procrastinated so long that the doors closed. She tried to beat the door. She tried to pry the doors open, the train whistle blew and it slowly pulled away. She missed her train. She wasn't very happy. Once the door shuts, it's too late. Now, I'm, I'm sure we've all been caught out on occasions where we miss a train or we miss a bus or maybe even a plane we might get frustrated about it, we jump up and down, but there's always the next one. You see, in 20 minutes, another train's going to come. In an hour, another bus will come. And uh, if you're catching a plane, if you miss a plane, well, maybe you might have to wait for the next day. But this won't work when Jesus returns. When Jesus returns, it will be final because the door will shut. The fourth foolish thing would be not to know the bridegroom. I'm sure we've all been asked when we go to a wedding, at, when we arrive at a wedding, which uh, member of the bridal party we know so they can tick your name off and walk you to your seat. The bridesmaids were all together, so we would assume that they all knew the bridegroom. The wise bridegroom, sorry, the wise bridesmaids, no doubt did. It's very confusing. Should have stuck to the word virgins, shouldn't I? And were welcomed in and entered the feast. 
But an awful surprise to the foolish bridesmaids when they knocked on the door in verse 11. Lord, Lord, open the door for us. And the answer comes back. I tell you the truth. I do not know you. These are devastating words to hear. Now, Jesus mentioned similar words at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 to 23, when he concludes after talking about how each tree will be recognised by the fruit of their, they bear, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. On the day that Jesus does return, there could be nothing worse than to hear those words from him, I never knew you. The foolish bridesmaids just didn't know the bridegroom. They didn't know Jesus. Jesus is teaching us here that all that matters is a personal connection with him. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. Because in John 14.6 it says, No one comes to the Father except through me. We mentioned these earlier today. And then Jesus concludes in verse 13, Therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So then how can we be wise and not foolish? The answer is also in Matthew chapter 7 from verse 24 to 27 and if you were here two weeks ago, Paul Ryder did an excellent demonstration showing the wise man who built his house on the rock, the strong and firm foundation of following and obeying Jesus and not to build your house on worldly values which will wash away like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. But wait, there's more. These, the detail in this is here. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the man who built his house on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The point here is, if we know Jesus, we will listen to him, we will obey him and do as he says. The foolish bridesmaids clearly didn't listen to the bridegroom that there would be a delay and needed to be prepared. In conclusion, it's important that we know Jesus, who is the bridegroom, 
and that we are prepared. Since the time is unknown, people are going to be caught unprepared, just like in the days of Noah. We don't like we don't like hearing about judgment. It makes us feel uneasy and even fearful. But God didn't create us with the intention of sending us into the fire. What loving parent would even do such a thing? Not at all. God's intention is to welcome us in his heavenly kingdom to live with him forever. However, he lovingly leaves the choice to us. That's our free will. We can live our life any way we wish. If we turn our backs on God, he lets us, but he is immensely disappointed, immensely disappointed. If we turn to him, he welcomes us with open arms. I'm here to meet you. God gives us every opportunity to come to him. Your salvation is his greatest wish. He wants to welcome you in heaven. There's going to be two groups of people in the end. Those that are prepared, who are saved, and those that are unprepared, who are lost. If you don't know Jesus this morning... I'll make a plea. Come and sit down with one of the elders. Come and sit down with myself. Or someone in here who knows the Lord. And let us introduce you to him. He is the most important person you will ever meet. Let me pray. Father, we want to... Thank you for reminding us that Jesus reigns. Thank you for reminding us to be prepared and not to be complacent and ensure that we listen to your instructions. Lead us in the way of obedience in order to glorify your name and help us to be a bright light hope in this dark world. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.